What's up, everybody? We're back here with Mark and Ryan Pints and Provisions, episode 19. What we're going to do is kind of start off like we always do with some of the best beers that we've had over the past week. Um, Mark, why don't you tell us a little bit about what we're drinking? Because I think you said that this was one of your favorites. Yeah, I'm going with what we drank, uh, what we're drinking right now. Um, uh, drank. Yeah, drank. Drink, drank, drunk. Um, a buddy of mine uh, from uh, Asheville area, Chad. Shout out to Chad. We like Chad. Uh, he hooked us hooked us up with some uh, Heist Brewery uh, beverages. The one we're enjoying right now, Uber Quinchel. It's the uh, ramped up version of Citra Quinchel. And I believe it has Galaxy and Citra hops. It's quite good. Yeah. Weighs in at 8.1%. And uh, it's just a delicious, hazy, tropical IPA. Yep. Goes down nice and smooth. I love that sound. A little bit more. So thanks, Chad. Appreciate it. This is my favorite beer of the week. Delicious. All right, Ryan. What's up with your... Glad to be back after missing the last couple. You guys have had a pretty exciting couple of weeks with uh, some local establishments. Um, Last week, I was in uh, Holland, Michigan for a wedding, and a shout-out to Brett, who uh, brought... um, Actually, it was a distributed beer. Um, Didn't taste like one, just based on uh, rarity and and what we get used to drinking sometimes, but uh, Allagash Brewing out of Portland, Maine. Um, Obviously, they're uh, pretty well-known. They do a lot of great stuff. Um, I'm a huge fan of their uh, American Wild Ale series. I think their base is pretty common across the board, and then they just fruit it a bunch of different ways. Is that their Cool Ship series? Um, It's not a Cool Ship series. It's just uh, an American Wild Ale. So I think like uh, they do um, one with peaches. They do one with apricots. They do a a whole variety of things um, besides what they do in the Cool Ship. And this one was called Pick Your Own, and it was the latest one um, that uh, was distributed to Chicago. It is a, a wild ale um, aged in a an oak foot in an oak fooder for two years, and then uh, added to it was fresh local raspberries, cherries, strawberries, and blueberries. Oh yum! And aged with those for an additional three months. It had it all. I mean, it was uh, juicy, fruity, uh, just really complex because there were so many fruits in it. Um, only uh, I think it was six percent, so it amazing. was uh, pretty light and easy to drink. Um, so I think it was in a little, uh, 375 milliliter bottle. We split that two ways and it was, uh, just delicious. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. Evan? I had the, uh, Hudson Valley Brewery, uh, out of, uh, the Hudson Valley in New York. It was a part of their sour IPA series called Empyrean. It was a double dry hop, sour IPA with raw wheat, malted oat, milk sugar, citra, and galaxy hops. Uh, these things pour and look like chicken broth when you bring them out. It was, you know, just kind of this new style that is just very interesting in terms of the, you know, it still has a lot of IPA quality. It has uh, a lot of sourness uh, to it. So it's uh, it's very tasty. It's very, I think, unique. And uh, they're definitely doing it right. We just got done with Father's Day weekend. Um, I was uh, doing nothing but driving back from Michigan. Um, we were in Holland, uh, like I said earlier, and... Uh, we did go to New Holland Brewing, um, big big name. I think they distribute it mm-hmm. pretty much around the U.S. Um, great little brew pub, uh, great food, outdoor seating for a beer garden. We watched a World Cup game. They got a store. I bought some uh, uh, a bourbon caramel sauce and then a couple uh, mustards. Uh, really, really good place. But I was just driving back on Sunday, so I didn't really get to uh, do much for Father's Day other than watch a little bit of the end of the U.S. Open. But uh 
I assume you both as fathers uh, had a, a pretty enjoyable day with both pints and provisions. Oh, definitely. So my wife asked me, what do you want to do? So my, my obvious answer is nothing except hang out and, you know, maybe throw something on the grill. So uh, we had my parents and my wife's parents over and uh, enjoyed a couple good beers. I think I was drinking uh, the last of my Wake Up Neo from Triptych. Yep. While uh, I actually did these uh, ribeyes from Allwins, and they, what I did, I, I did a... Their meat's a, so good. I did yeah. a smoked reverse seared ribeye. So what I did, I, I, I got the smoker, had it going real low and smoke, uh, slow, about a... Uh, about 100, 180 degrees, so not not trying to cook them, but just so that the meat can absorb that smoke. What kind of wood? Uh, that was a mix of oak, hickory, and I believe cherry. It was a blend. Nice. Um, but just I, I just kind of timed it. I wasn't cooking that to temperature or anything, so I left it on there only for about 30 minutes because I just wanted a kind of a light infuse of the smoke. And then I took actually my gas grill and cranked it up as high as it would go Mm -hmm. and i put a cast iron uh griddle on there and left that so it was up to probably about 600 650 somewhere in there i mean this thing was smoking hot and i i just pulled the steaks off the smoker set them right on there and like just seared and locked in that smoke and then just finished them on that on that griddle pulled them off at you know uh, mine were you know mine and my wife's were probably medium rare and finished the parents more like around medium and uh it was delicious so you being the smoke master um is oak hickory and cherry is that something you would do for ribeyes only or do you change it up depending on the meat or is that a go-to combination that's kind of one of the uh, that combination is probably one you could almost use for anything other than maybe if you're talking fish or you can make an argument that maybe you wouldn't want that for chicken but i i use it for chicken as well that's kind of a, just what I would call an, an all-purpose, do-all blend. But sometimes just depending on the what you're cooking, you might want to mix it up. You know, there's there's so many different styles of, of like, you know, are you wanting to do fish with something really light, like a lighter wood so it does, it's not really big and bold, mm-hmm. where maybe you might want... The hickory uh, and cherry are kind of bold. Right. And so, yeah. you know, and like for beef, I really like... I like oak. I really like Texas post oak, which is fantastic. That's, uh, as Evan knows, he's nodding his head. That's a that's a Franklin uh, oh, must yeah. have. Is that? And I think he uses that just basically out of necessity. The fact that it's it's available. It's available, and that's what they use down there. But it, it works really well for something so bold as beef. So well, and since I don't smoke meat, um, at you know myself or anything, it's uh, you know unless you go to one of these world renowned smokehouses like a Franklin's Barbecue or um, any place I mean, in Austin, any place in, I was going to say any place in Austin or Memphis, um, you know, some of those places will tell you the actual wood, wood. that they're using on mm-hmm. the beef or the chicken or the whatever. Um, but a lot of places, if you just go to a, a you're kind of your average barbecue place, they're just going to say it's smoked. So yeah. you don't really know the combination that you are uh, right. getting into. What about you, Evan? My, my wife said the same thing. What do you want to do? And I pretty much said the same thing. Not much. Hang out with you and smoke some meat. Um, I wanted to do ribs. So um, I got the ribs going. I got a full rack of baby back ribs and a full rack of spare ribs. And interestingly enough, I also got mine at Allwins. So got those. I decided I wanted to do a couple different um, rubs and sauces on those. I just did hickory on my uh, pellet smoker. Got them going low and slow. 
had them going for uh, maybe three or four hours, kept spritzing them with some uh, apple cider vinegar. Nice. Once they got that nice little, you know, nice red hue, that crust on them, um, I did lather them up a little bit. One I did with some Carolina Gold, and the other one I did with some Texas Spicy. After that, I wrapped them up in some foil, and uh, we put them in the oven for another, you know, hour or two just while we went to 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 mass and when we got back boy i just dug into ribs uh my wife is not a big rib eater my kids are not big rib, rib eaters so more for you <laughs> looked like it was more for me but it was the first time i did ribs on my on my smoker and they came out great i i think i just ate the last little bit today for lunch so, so. inquiring meatheads want to know what was the preferred sauce for me it was the carolina gold on the baby back the mustard wow yeah I mean, it was it just had that nice kind of bitter mustard quality to it, um, and with the sweetness, a little bit of that, and then the, the fattiness of the meat. It's unique. Yeah, it's very unique. There's no no doubt that the spicy Texas was really good, but uh, this kind of provided a little bit of variety with the typical ribs you may go out and get if you go to any other place. So, I'm easily going to do ribs again. They were they were not, they're not intimidating. Um, right. They're not hard to to. Well, they, I mean, they're hard to make. I think, but they they really turned out well. I got one more question for you. I'm going to put you on the spot. So this is a, a debate that's been long uh, debated. Yep. Did you uh, peel the membrane off the back or leave it on? When I talked to the butcher at Allwins, they had already peeled the membranes okay. off of the nice. ribs. So. It was already done. But I know that Aaron Franklin in his book says that it doesn't matter either way. Sure. I, I prefer to peel it as well. I think it uh, just makes them a little more tender. Sorry, I'm getting a little meat I know nerd. nothing about what you guys are talking uh-huh. about. But uh, that's how I, I feel do love ha- good smoked ribs, so how however feel- they're typically served, I'll enjoy. That's how I feel half the time when you're talking about beer. So. <laughs> don't, you, you're, don't. In, you're in my world now. So, well, so speaking of that, so we just covered the pr- provisions of Father's Day. What about yeah. pints? I know uh, there was at least one and probably pr- plural, so... What'd you guys do for that? Um, the other one that I had was, uh, I, I think I mentioned it before on one of the other casts that we had. Um, it was I was finishing up the collaboration of Distill and Weldworks, mm-hmm. the 85 and a 55. I had a couple of those left, and it was it was fantastic. Did anyone figure out what 85 and a 55 means? <laughs> Let's just go ahead and say I was royally wrong. <laughs> I, I'm assuming... I never did get an answer. Uh, I'm assuming it was some sort of like speeding reference, but I might yeah. be n- naive there with what I never looked into it. Because you know how the interstate system works, right? I do. Okay. North, south. So are, 85 uh, could not go through Colorado true. because it's would have to be too far east. Correct. Because it, uh, it would have to be east of go, 55, which well, goes odds, through Illinois. Yeah, odds, odd, odds, odds go, go north, go north and south, south, and correct. evens go. Okay, I would. I was whatever. I was sitting there listening. I was like, all right, is someone going to figure out it may mean speeding and has nothing to do with the Colorado interstate system? But all right, I was so excited okay. to be at Poor Brothers with our friends. We uh, which you. Yeah, which, you know, we thank them uh, immensely uh, for the opportunity to go there. I'm looking forward to getting back there because I think they, uh, they're they a very welcoming crew there. Um, uh, it would be fun to be back there to do some more podcasts. And I think you might have talked about that after they talked about um, how they're opening up a little smokehouse above. Oh, yes. And I think oh. Mark was, uh, I think his brain was just completely fried after uh you could tell after thinking about that thought of of what what, what they're going to be doing upstairs at at poor brothers yeah i mean like you could you could hear our high five mid mid conversation there we were so excited (laughs) i I assumed you had to cut out mark falling out of his chair (laughs) (laughs) so what about you did you have anything good Um, father's day you know when 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 you want to do a little bit of afternoon drinking especially when you're smoking meat and enjoying meat 
I had a uh, urban chestnut Zwickel, which is a traditional yep. Bavarian lager. And when you talk about barbecue, I mean, you don't want anything to distract from the barbecue. You want it to kind of be crisp, light, go down easy, and you can have like a four-pack and not feel completely hammered and hanging out with your family. So that's what I had. Yeah, they do good stuff, actually. They're pretty much everything German influence, but... Yeah, they're very highly like kind of just German brewery. And if you go down to St. Louis and you want, you know, lagers and doppelbachs and... They execute you know, the style. I execute mean, it well, per- perfectly. From, and they're, from, and they're, at least from what I know. And their tap room, you go to the their tap rooms, and they're very mimic that German style where there's big picnic tables, long picnic tables, lots of people sitting together. You'll have traditional food, you know, like um, you'll sh- be forced to sit with people you don't know, forces, and you'll probably yeah. end up talking to them and yeah, sharing a beer with them and yeah, and just uh, adding a little bit of the experience to the afternoon. Yep, I do have one more that um, I just. Re- I just remembered. I uh, Dan shared this with me. It was a uh, it was actually a collaboration, Untitled Art and uh, Jay Whitefield. Yeah. It was uh, it was a New England style IPA, uh, Pinot Grizz, I think was the name of it. Mm-hmm. But a fantastic beer. So shout out to Dan. Thanks for sharing that one with me as well. We weekend. love you, Dan. Yep. If you want it, we're we're kind of coming up on some fun and interesting, neat milestones here in our. Um, social media and our podcast we're approaching 3,000 downloads so if you haven't checked us out yet and you're looking to download some more episodes go ahead we're looking forward to celebrating um, 3,000 downloads Uh, we're approaching 500 followers on Instagram nice Uh, on Instagram we are at pints and provisions Um, we're on Twitter we're at pints provisions right Ryan yep we're approaching 100 followers but uh I can't compete with Mark's pictures on Instagram, so it's hard to it's hard. grow the followers as fast. Yeah, well, we, we kind of we kind of pony on uh, onto Mark's Peoria Bon Vivant since he's a part of us and we can be a part of his. So, uh, and lastly, I guess the, since this is episode nineteen, we're going to be uh, approaching twenty episodes. So, you know, for all of this stuff, it's kind of fun. On Facebook, it's at Pints and Provisions, um, and then of course the places you can go find us at are HoppedUpNetwork.com podbean.com we're on itunes we're on google play and we're on stitcher too uh, soon i'm going to be getting uh, the the works of getting us on spotify too awesome well uh that uber quenchel was pretty darn good i think um thanks for bringing that mark and uh thanks to chad for uh getting that to mark that was uh, yeah, a that was really good one to start uh, start the podcast off i'm gonna we get got the next? next one poured uh this one is uh is by sante adarius out of capitola california we've uh for sure talked about them a few times on this. Love this one's called a, Appreciation. Um, it is a 7.3 uh, ABV percent uh, fruited Saison, and it is, uh, after several months aged in wine, red wine barrels, it has taken on a mouth-watering acidity, a whiff off the barnyard, and, a, and stronger aromas and flavors attributed to the fruit. And I thought it said it on the bottle, so I apologize for my... Uh, Lack of preparation here, but uh, it has been it has been uh, barrel aged, uh, f- fermented with boysenberries and their resident funk. Resident funk. So right. that's like the, so, the 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 like stuff off. They they just like like wipe the oil off their nose and uh, yeah. I whatever. think it's something like that. Um, mm. No, so, that's uh, not what they do. <laughs> so so we're gonna uh, we're gonna crack this, and uh, while I do that and, and get these poured for you guys, I guess uh, going to our next topic. Um, just something that we're going to talk about is a little bit of just what's going on in beer in 2018. And uh, I guess to get that topic started, uh, I was curious what you guys think. Um, 
you know, what's the best beer of 2018 that, that you've had uh, so far? I don't know. Uh, Mark, I'll start with you. Sure. So something that really jumps out at me would be the uh, the Mood Ring series uh, out of Nashville, uh, the Bearded Iris. Uh, there's been multiple different uh, uh, varieties of that. Uh, but, the you know, there's been one with, uh, I believe, raspberries that we had, uh, one with pineapple. It's basically a, a fruited IPA, and I just think that style is very unique. Um and it just really stands out to me. Nice, nice. Evan? I'm going to go with, and maybe this is just because of my recent uh, exposure to some of Jester King's stuff, but the Spawn series that they have, obviously the uh, spontaneous fermentation and mixed culture fermentation that they do down there is something that's very unique, obviously, to their brewery, but it's also something that hasn't really been widely uh, done by many, many breweries here in the United States. Um, something that, you know, you can look to as the grandfathers and the forefathers of spontaneous and mixed culture fermentation of the things that they do over in uh, Belgium, like with Cantillon. And there's some of the pioneers in doing that stuff. And of course, they'll tell you that that's the way they do it. And that's the way that everybody should do it. And nobody can do it outside of that, like the lambics and everything. And so that's why Jester King's kind of made this push with the method traditionnel. And that's to sort of put a label on the idea of the as close as possible to the all the like stipulations that have to be in the goose. Um, so if you want to do method goose, you know you have to meet all these choir requirements like turbid mash and all the different spontaneous mixed cultures and all this stuff. But no one in the no one in America has yet really been doing it. But Jester King is probably the closest to being able to do it as close to tradition as possible. But of course, the only part of that that they don't have is the fact that they're in Belgium. They're not in Belgium. They're in Austin, Texas. But you know the way that they've been able to blend things and the way that they've been able to do non sort of um, you know fruited series, but then added fruited things to it. It's it's made for quite an interesting. Um, evolution in their brewery and an evolution of what they're doing and probably an evolution in the way other breweries are going to follow here in America. And I'm not a mad scientist on uh, the actual uh, brewing process like you, Evan, but I don't know. For me, it just, uh, it always, whenever you hear about Jester King, it always, at the back of my mind, I'm just saying, man, how is Texas, you get 90 degree heat, you know, nine months of the year, how in the heck do they do mixed culture fermentation so well? And I just don't know if it's a... uh, if they're if they're just in the prime spot of location, or um, if they just have that uh, that setting just down perfected uh, down at that you know Jester King's location on that beautiful hill and and uh, what uh, what they're doing down there, I don't know. I just uh, you just I don't know. When you think of the mixed culture and you think of the weather needed for wild yeast and everything, it's just like the heat of Texas just doesn't seem like no. the ideal spot, especially when a lot of the, uh, the influences come from Belgium, which is a completely different Tempered environment. Um, yeah. Completely different culture, uh, from a weather standpoint. Well, I think that if you've heard interviews with Jeff Stuffings and with Avery Johnson down there, they only have a few, maybe weeks out of the entire year, they can really nail it. And of course that's what makes it a little unique to Texas is they have those few weeks and they have those very, um, unique microbes to Texas that they don't have in Belgium and vice versa. But that's what kind of makes them fun. And then they're, they're so motivated and committed to doing that style that even if they only have a couple of weeks out of the year, they, they nail it. I mean, mm-hmm. God, those beers are good. Yeah. It's uh it is really impressive. And um, 
I'll, I'll get back to that in a second with our with our next topic, but I'll just keep this going and, uh, yeah, and go, ahead. go to my my favorite or my top beer of uh, of 2018. Um, despite what uh, how my excitement was uh, maybe partially articulated or not so well oh. <laughs> uh, on Dark Lord Day, <laughs> really? the, uh, the Hanji. Um, since that uh, is done every year, I won't count that. Um, but uh, yeah, so I'll... Uh, what I will go with is um, the uh, Coconut Assassin that Ooh. Toppling Goliath did as a variant for their Assassin Day. Um, it was on draft. It was supposed to be only that day. Um, I think, I'm pretty sure they had pours of it maybe the next day or one or two days after. But um, that has, uh, I, I've actually been kind of surprised that that has some pretty good ratings um, just across some of the write-up websites and things like that. Because as we get talking into hype train and things like that, some of these different variants of certain beers, um, I don't know, it just seems like people always love to give negative feedback on them. And I don't know, the sweetness to what uh, what Mike does for the Assassin, um, the base stout, and then what they do with the barrel aging, I think the sweetness of that added with, uh, you know, I assume it's toasted coconut. I don't know exactly what they did for the coconut additive, mm-hmm. but uh, that combination really was... Um, I mean, one of the best. I mean, it's one of the best beers I've ever had, and it was the only time they've done the coconut variant, and uh, it was it was incredible. I think we were with a group of four, but just about everyone around us was really really impressed with that. They had a coffee variant too that I would say the coffee probably didn't pair up as well with the sweetness of the actual assassin part of it. But um, I mean, that's it was a great beer, and uh, the coconut variant of that is probably my favorite of 2018. Yeah, and I bet Coconut is having a time right now. And I know Mark would probably really like that coffee assassin <laughs> because uh, if anything makes Mark happy, it'd probably be like a coffee stout, wouldn't you say? Definitely, definitely. And in no way was the coffee not a good one. It's just uh, how oh, mind-blowing yeah. that coconut was. I would just say the coffee just wasn't at the same level as all, relatively speaking. So sure. um, so I guess, yeah, moving kind of from our, our favorites of 2018, I guess what, uh, what we've kind of been talking about lately is um, – maybe a little bit off the air, um, how much, you know, there's a lot of hype in craft beer right now in various breweries. No way. No way. Uh, and it seems like as there's been a incredibly growing popularity of definitely the hazy IPA, but a few certain styles, um, your pastry stouts, and we've, we've had the fruited IPAs definitely are a, a growing popularity. It seems like everyone is, um, everyone's a beer snob with uh, how they discuss it. And it seems like people are so quick to be negative on different elements of it. And uh, I don't know, I guess I just want to kind of start with getting your guys' thought and maybe going back to what we were talking about with Jester King and, and, and also this uh, Sante Adarius beer, um, you know, Jester King beers are pretty easy to get. They're fairly limited, but from a, you know, a trade value, the secondary market, if you're trying to, to ship someone some beers um, from your area for theirs, the Jester King stuff is really, really easy to get. Somehow they're off the hype train. Um, I mean, this is, I, I basically sent uh, someone a, a triptych four-pack of an IPA for this uh, uh, Sante Adarius appreciation, and boy, is this wow. fantastic. Oh, this is great. Um, you know, it's not a, quote, Wales bros by any means. Um, and so it just seems like, you know, there's certain beers that come out. The hype is crazy about them based on the brewery or based on the local residents and what they want to say about it and dry, maybe drive up a secondary value to trade for another whale or something like that. Yeah. But uh, so, I don't know. I guess I just want to get your thoughts because it seems like come I don't know. It seems like the train. It seems like there's a, a constant mountain 
or Come a on, uh, train. Um, the uh, the bell curve of where the the reviews of beers go. It just seems like it it immediately spikes up um, from when it's released, and then it quickly falls off because, for whatever reason, there is a hype built around it that it's like. A beer, you know, all these beers that come out, they're supposed to be like nothing else you've ever had, whether it's the newest pastry stout with coconut and vanilla beans and all these other different adjuncts, yeah, or yeah. Uh, the hazy IPA that's double dry hop two times with Galaxy and Citra and Idaho 5. Um, I mean, the list kind of goes seven. on. I will say. Oh, Idaho 7, sorry. <laughs> just the thought I had just sitting here listening to you talk about that. Do you think there's, um, is there anything to the point that like, since we're always, or not us, but brewers, that they're trying to reinvent a beer. And sometimes like there's a lot of hype around that and it comes out and it's good. But like, is there just like this longing for like just the original one that put them on the map? And so the, the hype kind of falls back down off of that. It's like, you know, we have all these variations of, of the, you know, air quote here, the classics, you know, especially if we're talking like the trend with the hazy IPAs. So the hazy IPs, IPAs are here. And now everybody's trying to like take that to the next level, whether it's through double dry hopping or triple dry hopping or adding an an adjunct or something to that. Um, you mean take it to the bank? Yeah. So, but I'm I'm just wondering, like, is that where the letdown is? Is like sometimes like we kind of talk ourselves into, man, this is going to be fantastic, and then when it's actually here, it's good. But it's like, man, I just really prefer the original. Well, well I'll give my quick thoughts on this. Uh, you know, I think from a lot of people's standpoint, I think us um, around this table, um, you know, I think we drink a lot of this stuff, not really trying to think about what the hype says about it and just enjoying it. Sure. You know, we don't have to think about it as, hey, is this going to be the next 5.0 on Untapped? And what are the adjuncts in this? That's why we do some of the blind tastings and whatnot, just to enjoy it, because whether it's hyped up or not, it's it's probably, you know, off the record, it's probably really, really darn good beer. Um, so whether it's a uh, you know, you're four and it's supposed to be a 4.5 or it's a five and it just blows your mind like this yeah. <laughs> appreciation we're drinking where it's not hyped up. Um, I just I'm, think there's not an, I think there's a lot of people out there that probably just have super high expectations and then always are getting let down. Or, I don't know. Or, you know, I think that, okay, so I would rather have this Sarah appreciation bottle in my refrigerator rather than some untested, you know, 16 ounce sticker can double dry hopped IPA. I would, it's just more enjoyable. It's probably going to pair, you know, you might find that it pairs better with food. You might find that more people at your, you'll be, people will be more impressed, you know, if you'd pour this for them and share it with them, but also like maybe, you know, we've, we, we all probably have somewhat and you know, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but we probably have a fairly still amateur palate. We've been in craft beer probably not as long as the people that we read about and the people that we hear, you know, in real beer journalism. Now, we probably have more, you know, trained palates than like millennials that come onto the scene and wait in line for four packs of sticker can IPAs. Um, so... I would say that they probably don't appreciate some of the older styles and things not as much as we do, but we don't as much as the, you know, the old guard, you know, the Michael Jackson, you know, crowd, the people that followed that guy, read everything he wrote. And, you know, we're working on that, but we're not quite there. But they are so far away from that. 
And you know what makes a quick dollar when you're trying to open up a brewery in a town or a city that already has like four or five breweries? If you don't make a hazy IPA, you're probably going to sit there and wonder why no one's showing up to your brewery. Mm -hmm. And whether or not that's right or wrong, well, you can debate that. Are they good? Yeah, they're, they're lovely, especially when they're done right. Can they be done poorly? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And is a brewery trying to mimic a style, or are they really trying to make that beer well for them and well better? Like, I think Bearded Owl is putting that into their repertoire because they like them. Nick likes those beers. Yeah, you could tell he, he really had a passion for the style. I mean, and the nice thing is, you know, got a guy like PJ there who kind of balances him out. His four-pack would be a lot of Belgian a stuff. A lot of Belgians. Yeah, He's yeah. kind of an older guard yeah. palate. And it goes into their beer for one example, because I think they posted on Facebook a couple weeks ago, and they had 15 beers on draft or something, and it basically had every color of the beer spectrum, from yeah. like your lightest Kohl-style um, mm -hmm. ale, or, or whatever, you know, Kohl-style, we'll, we'll call it, uh, a straw, straw gold or whatever the technical color is. All the way through your hazy IPA, where you get into that little bit of uh, a more, you know, golden yellow, really full-bodied color, that went into like a brown, yeah, brown ale with coffee, that went into black with a stout. I mean, yeah. it really crossed all the spectrum. I think there was even maybe a sour in there that had a little bit of a more of a fruited color or whatever. But like that's, mm -hmm. and that's great. I mean, there's not a lot of breweries doing things like that. Um, that's that's why Which, they're on the map and they're growing and they're just going to get better and better and better. Yeah, and they're and they're good at doing the like like I, I like I've said before, um, they make every beer that they have well, mm -hmm. drinkable and enjoyable. If you don't like a sour, it's not because you don't like their sours, just because maybe you don't like sours. Um, and I think that that's why I appreciate them being on the scene here in local. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, you talk about all these places and, and, you know, we've all had those hazy IPAs that just don't make the cut because they're probably trying too hard to mimic the style. They look at what Treehouse does and Trillium does and Other Half does and Monkish does, and they're looking for the color, they're looking for the smell, and then they don't last on the shelf, they don't hold up in terms of taste, and you're going to turn new craft beer people who are coming onto the scene, you're going to turn them off of craft beer because that's all they kind of know. And it's all they kind of seek. And then they're going to, they're just going to kind of, they're going to be pushed away from even the newer things that are going on. Yeah. And I think back to just a bearded owl is one example for us locally, but uh, a place like that definitely, and I think Nick even mentioned it. I mean, they're taking some risks with different styles that people aren't maybe as comfortable with mm -hmm. and probably on their own dime trying to convert uh, maybe your non-traditional craft beer drinker into a style with uh, like a sour yeah. with some, you know, uh, herbs added to it or something like that, um, or even like a, a Kolsch or even um, a stout. So something like that. And, you know, you've got places like Monkish and uh, Great Notion who really go all across the spectrum from a, from a stout and you've got adjuncts and then you've got your sours and doing all sorts of different things. But then uh, it seems like some of these places, um, if they don't release the best IPA, the best double dry hopped hazy IPA that you've ever had, everyone just uh, blows them up on social media. Like these and, guys can't make anything. And, and just kind of rips them apart. And it's like, man, I don't know. I, as as not, I'm not a brewer, but uh, I can certainly imagine that they're putting in just as much effort and passion and time 
into making what they're hoping to, to do yep. um, as, as anyone else that's uh, doing maybe a different style or something that they're not worried about that whole hype thing. Yeah. I think it's dangerous to get too one-dimensional. It's okay to follow trends and it's okay to be a, um, a trendsetter and it's okay to say, hey, I want to draw that crowd in. Right. I want to make a hazy, hazy IPA so I can get those younger palates, those you know, hungry palates for those in here, and I'm going to introduce them to something else. But if you don't make that one good, then they're not going to drink anything else at your place, and they're going to go on to the next. And I think what maybe spurred our discussion today is how uh, Treehouse just came out with uh, Juice Machine. Juice Machine. That uh, just blew up uh, different train. secondary trade values and different things where people were trying to get uh, you know, the best barrel-aged stout that they could for two or three juice machines or whatever it, it may have been. One hangy uh, for two juice machines. And then people start drinking them, and then you have <laughs> no. on it's all crazy. sorts of different social media platforms where people are saying overrated, meh, whatever the... the you know, the, the usual terms are. And I just I think we're all kind of sitting here like, why can't people enjoy this for what it is? I mean, you don't 100% remember exactly what the last batch of juice machine tasted like. So stop no. hating on it and giving it such a bad rap, which point, people love to do. Aren't, aren't you missing the point of what craft beer is supposed to be about? Like when you, when you dissect it that far and you're that bent out of shape, to me, you're just missing it. Like just, just enjoy it in the moment and... You know, just uh, move on. If it's not your favorite, move on. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting to your point. You talk about um, going to Bearded Owl, Bearded Owl and you can see the whole spectrum of SRM, you know, on the color scale. But if you go to Treehouse, you know what you're going to do? You're going to see varying styles of hazy from lightest hazy to maybe a little deeper, you know, hazy. And that's okay because, you know what, that's what that's what Nate does yeah. best. That's what, you know, he'll do stouts. And he'll do them really, really well. well. Too. Yeah. yeah. But outside of that, maybe they have a couple of those other like, you know, ESBs, Old Man and Ma and all those other ones that yep. sort of like creep in there once in a while, probably yep. just to keep themselves honest. But you're not going to find a lot of variety. So how are you going to pick out the best one? I'm going to drink Ju- Julius, Hayes, Green, um, Green, 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 and you drink all this next to each other. And what are you going to be stuck with at the end of the day you're gonna be like okay well they're all juicy and they tasted like pineapple okay well what else do you got yeah because then you go to another brewery that has a little more diverse beer menu and you're gonna say okay great i had a great hazy ipa what do you have for a sour what do you have for a stout what do you have for a esb what about an english mild what about a kolsch what about i mean i get i get i get palate bored i'm i'm like totally totally bored and i'm totally there's moods i know in three weeks from today i'll be at treehouse and i know when i get off a plane on a thursday afternoon in july uh i will be in the mood for a couple different hazy ipas absolutely i just know i will oh yeah but then there's there's days uh there's days where you know last uh last thursday we had a cookout up in holland michigan and a couple people brought over um one person brought a pilsner and another person brought over uh, a founder's kind of a standard lager. And it was fabulous just kind of having a little bit of a diversification and not having to worry about the haze craze or what the untapped ranking is or what the hype was about. It. And it was something that they just got uh, off the shelf and we enjoyed them all the same. And it was fantastic. Evan, you were talking about palate fatigue and how that, that makes you want to venture out and try other things. I think we've talked about this before, but the resurgence of classic beers like yep. the lagers the pilsners um ambers uh box and those things i think that's just going to be a, a a continuing trend of of people just kind of searching out for that thing maybe looking for a scotch ale or something 
that's just unique. That if you remember uh, when we talked to Brink, I took away from that that was just very unique in the fact that they were doing all those different styles. And that's what pe- keeps people coming back to their to their brew pub is that they're not going to get tired of the same thing. Yeah, that's what I love about Bearded Owl. Every time I walk in there, there's going to be something new to try. Well, and you're going to have brewers that want to, and you know, of course, they've got probably a marketing person that's going to be helping them tell them what we should be making. But you're going to have situations where breweries are going to say, "We want to bring people in. We want people to spend money here, and we want mm-hmm. people to continue to come back here, line up here." And those are going to be the ones that continue on the hazy IPAs, adjunct stouts, and then you're going to have the ones that make a hazy IPA, bring people in, and introduce them, and they'll probably be the ones that survive. Mm-hmm. And you'll probably see the bubble burst on all these breweries that are just following trends. Now, hopefully, the ones that do it well will continue to diversify and figure out, okay, I can make these good. That's great. I can bring these people in, but I can also make this good, and you can try this. And maybe your wife wants this, and she can try this, or your husband wants this, and he can try that. Yeah, and I know, I mean, whether there's you know 50% hatred going on on some of these latest Treehouse releases, who knows, but... Uh, I can certainly tell you that, uh, you know, today's Thursday. They probably released something today. Um, there's probably still the same line outside oh, that yeah. brewery. And uh, whether the hype was, you know, anything real or not, or all these reviews that people are doing are uh, just a little bit overstated, um, people are still enjoying all the stuff really, really well. It just seems like there's this social media blow up or whatever that people want to be the first to, to kind of just send a, a brewery down. Yeah. Um, when it's like, man, just just enjoy the stuff. Like a, like this heist. I mean, you know, they're in Charlotte. Mm-hmm. They're not in a small town in Massachusetts. And I would guess that your buddy Chad did not stand in line for an hour or two to get this amazing beer that we just had. It's like whether there's hype or no hype. I mean, this stuff. I mean, beer right now in the U.S. is really really great. And maybe that's part of it, where people yeah. just have such high expectations, but. There are so many places doing so many really, really good things that uh, you don't have to chase it as hard as, as you may be used to, and maybe that's what's frustrating people. But, boy, there's some really good stuff everywhere, and, and you just have examples like the heist and, and what Bearded Owl is doing and some other places that hype, hype or no hype, it doesn't really mean a whole lot to a lot of us as far as I'm concerned. All right, let's transition to the black glass. I poured this. I don't know why I poured a black. Well, I poured a black glass so you guys don't see it, but um, I know what it is. You guys don't know what it is. <clears throat> I'd like you guys to sip, think, and uh, talk about it. Maybe it's a little warmer than the last time we did this, so hopefully our performance is a little bit better. But who knows? The lighting, <laughs> the lighting here is pretty bad. So for whatever you're not supposed to look. I at know the we're color. not supposed to see much, but if we were, it smells. Uh, I can smell it from far away. It smells chocolatey. Sweet, sweet kind of toffee. I'm going to say maybe something barrel-aged. I think almost, a lot of... It's, I get a lot of sweet, almost like a, a barley wine. I'm going to go with a barley wine. A, a barrel-aged barley wine. There's still like... Um, man, there's a, there, is a, there is a bitter chocolate end to that. Like it kind of... It starts out a little sweet, and then it really dries out in your mouth, and you get this you know, like baker's chocolate kind of a flavor to it where it's dry and it's bitter. And Ryan keeps trying to look in the glass to try to figure it out. I'm looking at the carbonation because I can't see a little bit of bubbles, so I'm really trying. But but is that going to help you? <laughs> I don't know. Cheating. Is that cheating? <laughs> okay, so it's not a hazy IPA. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's, I don't 
don't know. Maybe it's not a barley wine. I'm going to go on the record and say I'd be shocked if this was a barley wine. <laughs> I really would. Because he's too... He, this, come on. Is it? Then it's a barrel-aged stout. But I can't... What's the sweetness? Is it like a like a marshmallow or a brownie or some sort of toffee notes? I'm not sure. I mean, it might Gosh, just be... I'm so bad It might just this. be cacao nibs. Um, I, could, I could totally see that. Like, I could taste a lot of that. I'm trying to think what Evan has in his cellar to say. All right. There's something. What has he been wanting to crack lately? There's something really sweet in this. This is not a barrel-aged Dark Lord. I will tell you that. No, no. This is not your tequila barrel-aged variant that you just got. Oh, no. We're going to say. No, (laughs) we're we're not going to do that on the black We're not going to do that blind. Yeah. Talk about, talk about like, um, um, you know, secondary market trade value. Um, I remember when I pulled that out of my Dark Lord bag, I was like, oh, son of a... Yeah, I got that tequila barrel one. It's got all this crap in it. That's kind of been the one that surprised a lot of people and in a good way. And then we we had a few people uh, that were that we uh, did the, the Friday night share with that um, did like the full variant lineup. Mm-hmm. And that's where you actually get a little bit of honest yeah. feedback on a lot of that stuff. Um, and I think, uh, you know, I, I remember Mac, uh, Mac texted me the the rankings of all of them and was it like number the, two i think the tequila one was number two and next to hanji the top three or four were by far the top four for everyone or something yeah. like that out of i mean they do so many variants now seven or eight or whatever it is but uh i think we continue to say man how are people really really rating this that well and it does have it's got orange peel and ginger and some really really unique not ginger that's the uh greatest teachable moments what's the it's got a what, doesn't it have a spice or something in there? Uh, or cinnamon? Mekong cinnamon. Oh, cinnamon. Okay, so orange peel cinnamon. Just kind of a unique combination that yep. we're a little unfamiliar with, and that's probably where it's there's a little like, bit of skepticism. Yeah. Okay. little help here. Yep. Give us a, a couple hints. Adjuncts? Hints. Like, uh, how many adjuncts are in this? Um, One or two? None. I don't want hints. None? Hmm. And barrel-aged or not? Whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. I think... What? I don't want any hints. What are we doing right, here? Well, then, then stop rambling and pick. <laughs> I didn't know we you were supposed to, to do that. You don't step, have to pick. Step up and 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 give us your. Have, do you think we're at okay. the right temperature? I think it's still just a touch cold. It's a little cold, but I guess what I would say from the start, <laughs> I don't think it's it's at most a year old. I would guess it's fairly young. Um, hopefully, over the next couple of years, some of our beers will have uh, will have done this experimental aging of. See, I disagree. I feel like I taste it. It just tastes a little. It tastes old to me because, um, I feel I like think I, it's barrel aged. I feel like I get a little, um, kind of um, 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 metallic from uh, just a little oxidation, from a little bit of age, and and I know I know that, and I know that I okay, know. Okay, so I'm wrong. Well, it's, it's older. It's a nice way of saying you're wrong. I guess you know that's because my palate's not my palate's not blind to this. That's why. What older beers are in Evan cellar? <laughs> I'm kidding. Lot, lots of different ones. Good I luck. do get a really nice baker's chocolate on the nose that yeah. I just am really really enjoying. I mean, I can't believe there's not an adjunct. In it's this. not super thick. Um, I get something really sweet, like a, a toffee, caramel, marshmallowy, toasted kind of. I don't know. Um, when do, when do you want to know? We probably should know pretty soon. Let's uh, do a couple final sips and right. maybe a little warm, warming real, swirl a couple times. And... Real quick, uh, let's uh, w- weigh in on our ABV. Let me try this one more time. I'm gonna go at ten. Uh, I'm gonna go 
11 and a half percent okay yeah i guess i'll just say i think it's uh boy it's really i'm just trying to think of what are the really really good stouts out there that aren't barrel aged because i just think this is really really chocolatey and and nice and flavorful i'm not getting like a ton of barrel i guess i would say so i don't know i'm gonna say it's a uh I'm just trying. I'm trying to think of what's out there, which I shouldn't be. But stop uh, thinking about my. I'm going to say it is a uh, a ten percent. Uh, I, I'm just going to say it's an imperial stout with cacao nibs, or maybe it's maybe it's not even a. It's just like a chocolatey stout. So maybe uh, maybe it's my homebrew. From I was last I was year. actually thinking I'm, it might be a homebrew. I'm wondering brew, if it is. I'm looking at the bottle that you poured it from, since we can see the <laughs> neck, and you have not used those kind of bottles, as far Jeez, as I know. Jeez, he really pays attention. <laughs> All right, here we go. And I know um, Ryan's going to say this. Gonna I, be bad. I knew he was going to do the apple brandy resolute, and I was trying not to think of that. I, it was barrel aged. I was right there. I popped so it's older. The apple brandy has faded. But it, you can still get the sweetness. Maybe a little sweetness. And you've front. been saying some sweetness. What, it's probably not that's the. That's what I couldn't, I, couldn't, I couldn't pin it down what it was, but there's definitely something sweet in there. So this is the um, Horizon Society. Uh, beer brewed and bottled for the flagship members of Brothers Craft Brewing in Harrisonburg, Virginia, uh, proudly in the heart of the Shenandoah Valley. This is the Apple Brandy Barrel Aged Resolute. Definitely Thir- wasn't a barley wine. <laughs> 13.5%. It's not boozy at all. No, it's not boozy it's at not all. It's not at all. It's much higher um, than I thought. This is 2016, as far as I remember. It feels like you've been bringing it to all of our houses since like 2010. Since since we <laughs> knew each other. Yeah. And, you know, that's I know, good. I mean, no, it's still really good. It doesn't have to have a ton of that apple brandy. I mean, but it has, a, I feel like it has a little early sweetness that mm-hmm. kind of fades really quick. It does. And then it moves right into that baker's chocolate that's kind of that's, dry. That's dry. It's dry. And it's definitely common within that Resolute series. Yeah. 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 The I totally sweetness. get that now, which obviously, the now that you know what. what you're, you're drinking. It was throwing me off because I thought there was an adjunct of some sort of, uh, I don't know, like just like a caramely toffee sweetness to it. I don't know. I actually I still would, get a real nice chocolate on the nose. I actually I would really love enjoy. to taste this next to the homebrew because I feel like my homebrew with a much, as much cacao nibs as I put in it, you know, kind of mimics a little bit of this sweetness. It kind of has that, you know, fruity sweetness, not a, not a sugary sweetness, but then it fades to a kind of a dry, I don't know. I'm totally tasting apple brandy now. Dang it. Did, did you have this weird feeling like I brought it? You know what? I was sitting here. I was like, there's probably a beer that Evan has wanted to crack for a while, which is true. And I was like, all right, I'm going to listen to Mark and stop thinking about that. Because <laughs> I was like, all right, it's not a fundamental forces. It's not a bottle logic bottle as far as I know. I was kind of going through your uh, your beautifully stop. organized cellar. And I will say this. I just stopped. It's, this is tough. It's when really you take good. away... Uh, all the other, like the visual senses and those things, and it's down to smell and taste. It's it's tough to do. Yeah, it's uh, it's it probably faded a little bit um, from oh, yeah. that from that freshness. It would be interesting to have fresh. this fresh because I bet um, it's sweeter and I thicker. Bet that apple brandy really goes nicely with that chocolate. Yeah, I mean, I bet it's a great combination. I we've all had, we've had this rev, rev, get, we've had this resolute series a few times. Coconut resolute outside of that crazy. infected one, but we've had some really really great ones yeah. and. No yeah. hype train on this because they're easy to get, which is really, really nice. But I but haven't seen anything since this series. I think they're so good that I think the people in uh, in hoard them. 
Her, Charlottesville? Harrisonburg. Harrisonburg. That is where James Madison University is. There Not it to is. be confused with Jefferson's University, which is those, UVA. I think they've given up on trying to trade it or do any of that because I have seen nothing. Nothing. It's so good. I would say like probably a, a newer one would be a lot boozier. Like this does not weigh in it in my mind totally true. At, at 13. And I, I don't get much oxidation, but maybe that's the sign that uh, should have been telling on the fact that it was probably aged a little bit is because there's really for 13 and a half percent. My goodness. It's there's smooth. no smooth, no booze, no heat. I mean, no. I, I actually went really on the nice. high side and went with 11 percent. Yeah. And yeah, I saw you say like 10. No, I'm going to go with 11. Yeah. And I said 10. It, it drinks like Ooh. a 10. All Good right. stuff. So I know Mark and I have had an opportunity to give our dream four-pack. And I'd like to kind of finish up today by hearing Ryan's dream four-pack. So I'm not going to ask as many questions as Mark did <laughs> and Dan did. Mark, Mark is Was very it Dan's birthday I, yes, it was at Dan's that event? Birthday. It was. Beard it was yeah. his birthday, right? I can't help it. I like Are you rules. sure it was his birthday? I was sure it was okay. his birthday. All right, because I wasn't for sure after listening. Sure? No. I wasn't for sure. Yeah. Um, he was disappointed right. you weren't there. Yeah. And uh, he's probably coming here next week, right? Because I'm headed to Mexico. So probably. I'm sure Dan's going to be gonna in invite Peoria. Him. Yep. And it'll work out perfectly <laughs> where I'm gone and he's in Peoria. Um, all right. My dream four pack would be, and I love the did, I love varying beers. I did mean, you I do almost, styles or did you do actual beers? Wait, you're asking too many questions. You're asking now, too many questions. Now, now, now you're asking Sorry. questions like me. Okay. Jeez. Fire away. What's going on here? Fire away. All right, so I'm going to go <laughs> for sure an East Coast style IPA. East Coast. And no, as no, we no, go no, on the haze craze <laughs> topic, you know, the East Coast style where you've got that malt backbone, but a really nice bitterness. I miss some really, really good ones of that. Well, like a dogfish um, head kind of like style? Like a main dinner is what I was oh, thinking. Oh, jeez. And our, oh, our, uh, our, our uh, meat connoisseur, Brian, always seems to find a way to get some of that when it comes out. Um, and it's uh, an incredible, perfect East Coast style IPA. If I could give Brian a birthday present every year, it would be dinner from Main Beer Company. But he would already have it, so he should be giving you that for your birthday. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, Brian. Uh, What's up? So number two, I would uh, I would definitely go with a bourbon barrel aged stout, mm-hmm. ideally with vanilla bean. It's kind of my go to. So if best I'm gonna go, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna go, <laughs> best beer ever made, in forever ever? in history, ever ever ever, ever made. Uh, I would go with the bourbon vanilla dark lord. Is that I I I, it, I don't disagree. Can a four with you, pack huh? have a bomber? Sure. Uh, so that would be uh, that would be one for sure. I would. The four I would pack add in includes there. four bottles, small, okay. big, whatever. And those uh, the three Floyd's four packs actually are huge and can hold four uh, seven fifty milliliters. Okay, I'll, keep, I'll make this quicker. So okay. number three, a I would for sure still go the hazy IPA. I mean, I know we we talk about the haze craze and a little bit of a negative connotation. Um, I absolutely love that style. Absolutely. Uh, if I had to go like a really, really rare one, um, I would pick Very Hazy by Treehouse. That's probably my go-to. They do it maybe once a year. I've had it maybe twice. Um, it's probably my favorite hazy IPA. Uh, Foggier Window by Monkish would be another one that comes to oh, mind. Oh, Lord. Or even just a good old uh, double dry hop four point from Trillium, which I think they do pretty much year round now, now that they've mm-hmm. uh, expanded pretty well. But uh, something with like a Galaxy Citra double dry hopped hazy good old yep. hazy ipa 
Uh, number four would be a fruited sour, and I was shocked with the palates that were at the table talking about this at Bearded Owl that no one said a lambic. Hmm. But uh, I think I would probably have to go with um, Saint Lamb. No, I would. I would go. Well, I'd go very. <laughs> I'd go Cantillon. Rare on this one too, and go a Cantillon, and probably a Lou Pepe Frambois. Oh, nice. Uh, to get the raspberry LPF, uh, the good old the, LPF, the good old LPF. Uh, get a raspberry fruited um, oh, lambic. So, so well done. Whether it's an American wild ale fruited with raspberries or it's uh, the good old LPF. Out of uh, out of Brussels, Belgium, um, that would be kind of my ideal four pack. Yeah. yeah, you're a big fan of the uh, Jester King Atrial as well, which is atrial atrial rubicite. Yeah. Um, yeah, unbelievable. They do a great job. We've had some great uh, raspberry fruited Degard booze mm-hmm. and some of that stuff. I mean, yeah, the red fruits. There's some really really good ones. Creek du Fermier. We did uh, on a podcast. That's uh, right. We did that right here with us three months ago. Yep. Uh, we, there's some good ones. When we uh, when we talked with Brian, we kind of went around the room and said what was our uh, our fruit of choice. Uh, stone fruits were pretty stone heavy, fruits. but I think also I think you I said raspberry, raspberries yeah. as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right, I'm looking forward to what's coming up here in July. I know we're gonna be back at Poor Brothers soon. I'd love to. Um, more, I, I'd, I'd love to be able to get a little bit of uh, more smoked meat uh, in depth with Mark. Um, I'm happy to go to his house, let him smoke and, and, and cook, whatever. We're, we're definitely going to do that. So we're going to have you guys over and we're just going to have a great afternoon. Maybe get a combo beers. of like some bourbon and wine, but Evan and, I, Evan and I will do the bourbon pours. Yeah, not Mark. Mark, <laughs> Mark. can do bourbon pours. It's I, his big hands. No, no, wait, no. Time out. I can do bourbon pours. Am I allowed pours. to fill I'm, up I'm, this Glencairn all the way for all three of your 63% pours? I can do bourbon pours. It's just whether or not you can hang with my bourbon pours. I think a, that should be episode 20. I really think that should <laughs> need to be episode 20. I like it. Let's do it. Because it needs to be pints and provisions and cigars. Next Friday night after and I land from Mexico. We need to do I can bring back some fresh, uh, from some fresh Cuban cigars, too. That would be perfect. Bing. But, but we're going to do... Uh, kind of a variety uh we're gonna do some chicken Ooh. we'll do pork and i'm trying to debate should we do a brisket or beef ribs or both <laughs> i mean twist my arm and do both um but you know a good brisket will never go uh, even my kids will eat a brisket okay all right we're gonna what about do a it. turkey leg we could do that too that'd be fun what about I've, a whole I've hog actually, I've smoked hey, a whole get, turkey, but I've never done turkey legs. That'd hey, be you can cool. you can get like a whole um, lamb at Costco now. Interesting. Yeah, we could do that. We'll talk. Had that smoked? I haven't. But I'm just, <laughs> I mean, you can smoke anything. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, who said that? <laughs> I bet your buddy uh, Franklin Barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. All right, <laughs> Cheech and Chong for sure said that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they did. All right, we're going to sign off for now. Um, As always, uh, Dan, we love you. Uh, But cheers, everybody. Thanks for joining us.